Welcome to the School Business Leadership Podcast. The summer of CPD continues. Today, Helen Burge returns to the show to talk about a subject that is very close to her heart, sustainability. We talk about what sustainability is and why it's important, ideas and strategies to develop sustainability in your school, and why SPLs are better placed than you might think to start the conversation. Let's dive in. And on today's episode, I'm joined by Helen Burge. Regular listeners will remember Helen from episode five, where she shared six tools to help SBLs have strategic conversations with their SLT. And also episode 20, where she joined the Able Ed Roundtable discussion about the future of the SBL role. You can find a link to these episodes, plus more about Helen in the show notes. But as a quick refresher, or for those who don't know anything about her, Helen is a deputy COO at the Priory Learning Trust, who has worked in education for 19 years having previously worked as an SBM, a bursar and a school administrator. She's an ISBL Fellow, leader of the Somerset School of Business Leaders, ISBL Regional Group and an ISBL Trustee. Helen is joining me today to talk about sustainability. Welcome, Helen. Hi, Laura. Thanks ever so much for having me. I know I'm having you back as well. I love doing these podcasts with you. It's always so fun. And today, I know you feel really passionate about this subject sustainability yeah just for anyone listening who is thinking that's quite a broad term or what does that mean for me what do we mean by sustainability in this context so I'm I'm thinking it's everything sort of green related and eco-friendly but also in terms of the school business leader I suppose three terms that they will recognize you know sustainability is um, efficiency effectiveness and and economically um sustainable space so it's it's bringing across all those green ideas and how we can embed them into our school business leadership practices um, and the school community why do you think it's important to have that conversation today because when we talked about what we were going to talk about on this podcast I know you were very clear this is what you wanted to talk about why is it so important now to have that conversation well, actually, I started by asking my ops managers if I was to do a podcast for sort of 10, 15 minutes about how to do something, what would you like to hear? And um, and then I thought, actually, I need to be asking myself that question. What would I like to hear? And actually, mm. I'm I would like to hear more SBLs talking about sustainability and um, and what they're doing within their schools and trusts to um, address the the decarbonisation of their the heat plans within their school, for example, or how they are addressing their the um, purchasing of, of of goods within their school. I wouldn't say I'm an expert. I'm I'm no David Attenborough. I I am just enthusiastic for it. I think sort of eighteen, well, no, probably about sixteen years ago, I created um, with the eco schools in um, one of my first schools, the eco committee, sorry, eco club plastic bottle greenhouse which was probably a right nightmare you know two years (laughs) after I left the school for someone to dispose of but um so I've always been interested and I've always sort of reacted and and done something but now I want to actually help plan and 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 not to react but to plan for and I think the sort of the public sector decarbonisation grants that Salix are offering have really made me think, you know, this is a long-term thing that we can we can do in schools to bring about considerable change and it's quite an exciting thing. So yeah, that, that's all that sort of passion and enthusiasm and and then the sort of goodwill 
nature of of doing something and having an impact and I think that that impact is now hopefully getting bigger and and can cover more schools and and by having this discussion today with you Laura I really hope that other SBLs are going to contact us and say we're doing this and this has worked well um Helen you you've got to stop doing that and start doing this because I I'm going to be in a little sponge and absorb all of that information so this is about SBL's role in sustainability. How do you see that fitting together? Because there may be some people, like you say, out there who are doing great things and we definitely want to hear from you. But what about the SBLs who are sat there going, wow, where will I find the time? Where does this fit with my day job? And I completely get that as well. Um, and it is hard to to sort of make that transition. But I think as as leaders, we have to make that um, transition from making it a bolt-on to making it an embedded part of school life. So um, I've I've looked at the ISBL professional standards and thought about what we're doing already, because there's a lot that we do already. We're already leading, we're already collaborating, we're already resourceful. So there's ISBL behaviours. But also in terms of the, the professional standards, we lead on support services. We're, um, you know, we're in charge of finance and procurement and infrastructure and marketing. So we're already involved in many um, or in all the aspects that sustainability touches on. And it's our influence in those areas. And that's what I would really like to sort of explore with you in this podcast is how we, you know, in, within one area, we could have an influence on sustainability. But what would be really great is if you had an overarching sustainability strategy or plan or policy and and everything can then feed off of that that strategy because it is it is a big thing to tackle so you have to do it in bite-sized pieces I think. I can see like you're saying about the ISBOL standards how sustainability fits in like say we lead people you know we are involved in procurement decisions and financial management and we are building the infrastructure you know we are at the front end of that so in terms of like you say breaking it down how would we start? You know, who would we need to speak to in terms of getting this off the ground? Well, I think your governors or trustees, actually, it's got to come from the top down. So it be it, uh, have sustainability as part of your strategic plan, have some goals within there. I know of some um, trusts who um, their sustainability target is that all their schools are going to get the Green Flag Award within eco schools which is amazing. And to do that within a short period of time is, is like hats off to them. That's a great piece of work. So you can you have to have it from the top down. It, it can't be one person sitting in an office trying to work their way through it. It has to be threaded through everything. So create, you know, start with the having it in the strategic plan. I would then have a sustainability policy so that you are very clear in there what you're how it's impacting on other procedures. So we've created a sustainability um, policy which focuses on eight different areas and they're all linked to the 10 eco-school areas. So that eco-schools is a great resource to, to access. They've already done a lot of the thinking. They've got case studies and stuff like that. So we looked at that and thought, right, we can we can use that as our framework within our policy. So we've got energy, global citizenship, school grounds and biodiversity, transport, waste management, water and marine life, procurement and resources and healthy living. So those are eight focuses that we've got within our policy. And I would like to think that our policy this year 
might adapt and change and you know over the next couple of years become stronger and deeper as we understand more and people's passion and enthusiasm for it grows um but also as we respond to government guidelines and and aims you know they've got aims to reduce carbon footprint and um, and and we have to play our part in that so if we can strengthen that it will come via the policy first and then via the procedures that hang underneath that policy as you were talking i was thinking like you say the government agenda you know they're talking about eradicating combustion engines and mm-hmm. getting rid of gas boilers and all of those things and they all seem like say small or in well, not small but in isolation or it seems random there is a wider strategy and sustainability is definitely you know a big agenda item i think so how are schools like you say contributing to it and also using it as part of education using it as part of education is really easy i think i think a green, green, the green agenda, sustainability is um, is taught in all areas of the curriculum, uh, which is great. So, if you if you start speaking to your curriculum leads, you'll you'll hear what they're doing, and um, to teach children, students about um, the sustainability agenda. And actually, having those conversations might make you go, "Oh, do you know what? Tell them that this is what we do in our school about procurement, or this is what we do in our school about biodiversity." So you can have some really key conversations with curriculum leads, which actually will straight away have an impact on on children's learning, which is fantastic. And then we want the children to go home and tell their parents about single use plastic or um, about litter in in our seas, all those sorts of things. You know, we need them to talk to adults about about sustainability. Um, In terms of what schools can do, with their their boilers and with their like light sources and stuff like that, you know it, it is starting to have um, your capital building project plan. So it, you might realise that when you're renovating a room, upgrading a room, that you can change the lights to LED lights. But that actually needs planning, and you need to put that maybe in your SIF bids or in if you're if you've got SCA funding, how you're going to use that funding over a number of years to bring about. Um, some small changes, you know, hopefully better lighting, LED lighting should cost less, but that takes time to to bring about and, and install. With the, I think it's bigger with your heat sources. So a number of our schools have got oil and gas, which obviously are um, sort of very carbon heavy producing fuels. So we want to move away from that. But actually, before you do that, you almost also need to make your building more efficient in terms of having insulation in there double glazing in there no drafts in there that you're using that building as effectively as you can until the point when you are going to change the heat source but Mm. changing the heat source can take time and planning it's probably going to have to happen in term seven because of the the length of work that's involved in it and you might need financial support to do that so you might need the public sector decarbonisation grant or your SCA funding or your SIF bid um uh, you know, successful SIF bid. So it is a massive, big area of of work, but could have a massive impact on your school. But it's it's not to say that switching from oil or gas to electricity would necessarily be cheaper. I just have to stress that. that the aim of this is about reducing your carbon footprint and and reducing your reliability on fossil fuels. So it's not necessarily that you're then going to see a financial benefit and I think that's quite hard for some people to to get their head around but 
you know, speak to the experts. I'm not an expert. I'm an, I'm an enthusiast, remember? So speak mm-hmm. to the experts, um, you know, speak to um, your, your building contractors, consultants, um, and, and let them know that this is your aim. You know, we want to change our our heating um, going forward. How, how can you help us do that? And I think one thing that we're looking at doing is creating a decarbonisation of our of our heat plan, basically. So reviewing our energy meter and consumption, and but also reviewing our buildings and and how they're constructed and what we can do to enhance them in the meantime. It's quite exciting. Sorry, I'm I'm too enthusiastic, aren't I? For a building changing its boiler from gas to electric, but actually, you know, an air source heat bump or uh, you know that's quite a that's quite a change and and but you could also benefit in the summer from having um air cooling if you if you get the right bit of kit in so i'm just thinking about all these sort of demountable buildings up and down the country that are sort of part of the school stock you know you could ha- make a teacher's day by having an air conditioning unit i mean which actually doesn't sound very sustainable does it and green Maybe there's a green way of doing it. <laughs> yeah, it's a green way of doing it, yeah. And actually, we've seen that it's very hard to um, learn in hot environments. So it's something that we should be addressing, isn't it? I think it's important, like you say, you know, you are an enthusiast, but it's about, again, what we say about business managers, you know, we don't have to know everything, but we just need no. to know where to find the answers. And working with building contractors and suppliers as part of the procurement process, sustainability starts before anything actually happens doesn't it it's part of the decision making process it should be factored into that conversation this is what we want to do this is why we want to do it what is the best and most sustainable way of doing it and also what are you doing what is your supplier doing when you you're not watching them so how are they disposing of their goods how are they running their systems how are they operating you know are they paperless for example or you know how are they disposing of 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 the stuff that was from your school site you know is there a resale value is it is there um you know is it end of life or is there another use for it so i think having those questions with suppliers which are you know that's relatively new to us to do but it's quite exciting and then you might learn something about the supplier that um that you've never learned before because it's not just about what do you do for apprentices or what do you do for your um local community it's actually your corporate social responsibility is wider and what your sustainability aims and and it might be that as a school we can help them with something you know we could educate them about some sustainability issues it was interesting you say that I had a conversation with a school business manager recently and they were talking about a project for their SBM qualification and they were talking about going paperless which is something that a lot of us are talking about a lot more at the moment especially after the pandemic in terms of increasing efficiencies and effectiveness and things like that And we started off talking about going paperless and then saying, well, actually, this is about sustainability in terms of what does this mean in terms of, you know, the carbon footprint, in terms of efficiency and effectiveness, but in different ways. So how could we link that to the curriculum? How can we link that to education? How can we speak to the community about sustainability? And we basically turned going paperless into one strand of this whole sustainability project and talked about eco schools and all the different awards and, you know, processes that a school can go through and where they can find this information. So. It is definitely, I think it starts out as a mindset and a willingness to have the conversation like you're saying now. You, you've come on here and said, I'm an enthusiast, I'm not an expert. We just need to start talking and get ideas from each other. And that is so important. I, I completely agree. And, and I, I hope that the, the person that you were talking to about their project um, has created a, a nice little action plan as a result of that conversation, because 
it can be overwhelming when you've got a whole list of things to to crack on and 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 introduce maybe or embed within your school so have an action plan with some realistic targets within it um because bringing about change doesn't happen overnight and we have mm-hmm. to bring about a culture change within our schools about sustainability and and we need to bring people on board with that we we want them to not see it as an add-on or as a current phase you know oh yeah this is what we're currently dealing with no actually this is what we've we've got to deal with and we've got to have it embedded within our curriculum within our practices within our policies um and within everyone's thinking so um you know when a teacher places an order for something they're actually thinking hang on a minute how am i going to dispose of this at the end of it have i already got something in my cupboard that could do or is there, some, is, there, is there something already in somebody else's cupboard that could do? So rather than just buy it for the sake of it or or because there's identified that there's a need for it, actually, how can I source it differently? Um, and I would really, I really would recommend having um, a stationary um, amnesty. That's it, a stationary amnesty. I would really recommend it. It is quite scary what, what you might... Um, get out in in your hall from all the different cupboards and all the different sources and there might you might discover some electrical items that haven't been pat tested for a bit and you might discover some books that are quite old or that belong to somebody else that's even worse isn't it but actually it's quite a good process and um i think i've mentioned before that i worked in a private school in a nearby town and it closed down and we brought everything together into um, all the resources. We emptied out every teacher's cupboard, all the exercise books, all the unused exercise books. Everything was unused and we filled a science lab full of all these resources. And it was an eye opener. It was horrendous. And this uh, this was about 20 years, no, about 18 years ago now. And it was horrendous to see all this misspent money, A, and mm. B, unused resources. You know, there were enough registers there for years worth of of uh, classes to have their registers taken and yet they'd always been purchased so we have to change people's uh thinking about what they're purchasing and why they're purchasing it and double check actually have i not got something that could do the job and actually registers is a really great thing because we don't need registers now do we we can do it all online so um that just shows how it all changes over time anyway but we have to champion that change and we have to just be a source of of um information for for all our staff about sustainability and i would welcome other sbls you know i keep saying it to share with me their ideas because for example i would love for us to have a list of eco-friendly suppliers so um suppliers that have already sort of met the criteria of um of how they're using their own resources how they send stuff to you now. I think I think we could all name um, a well-known online supplier that uses quite a lot of cardboard to deliver very small items. And also yes. they have multiple deliveries, you know, when actually we could just have one delivery. So having that list of eco-friendly suppliers, if anyone's got one out there to start me off with, I would be I would welcome that. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Like you say, it's it's the attitude in terms of procurement. But when when you have all of that stuff in one room, it's it's waste. And then yeah. this attitude of disposability of right, I've ordered that or I don't need that. I can just put that in a cupboard. So I think also if there are any site managers listening or SBLs, tell your site managers to maybe 
manage the cupboards, you know, some cupboard management processes in terms of keeping an eye of what's in the stock, because usually it gets put in a cupboard, it's out of sight and it's forgotten, isn't it? Yeah. And I think also if a school has operated that every department buys their own resources and their own stationery, you've got lots of pockets of stationery just building up. Bring it all together, have it in one area, and then it's closer to, um, it's easier to, to monitor and manage and I think you'll reduce the waste that way because when you have a station reamnesty and you see how much stuff is unused within the school, imagine what you've also already ordered for that new academic year. And it's probably yeah. not that dissimilar in size and quantity. And you just this is crazy what we're doing here. And I think we've also got to pay to then dispose of that because, you know, rubbish doesn't get collected for free. Recycling doesn't yeah. get um, collected for free. Skips are quite pricey. So it, yeah, the, the the cost of procurement doesn't stop with when you've purchased that item, and when you click that button to say, yeah, I'm going to have that. It it really carries on going, and I think um, one one area that we would also like help with. So if anyone can help with this, is how you sell off those resources that are no longer required in your school. For example, I in a previous school, I used to we had a kiln. And we we knew we didn't need it any anymore. We we knew we didn't want to have it. Um, it was it was a big drain on, on for lots of different reasons. So we we got rid of a kiln. We basically I think we put it on eBay. But I think we had to use my personal eBay account for it. Which you know, there's no way I would do that now. You know, sort of 15 years later, there's no way I would put anything that's personal to sell a school product. Um, but mm. how are schools doing it? How are schools getting rid of their big big items? You know, if you replace a whole load of furniture, you're not skipping all of that. Please tell me you're not skipping all of that. How are you getting rid of it? How are you making sure that someone else can benefit from it? I think looking at it from the other way as well, we've talked about procurement and, and waste, you know, in terms of the cost of maybe implementing some of these strategies. Like you say, it's it's not about achieving a cost benefit. It's about achieving sustainability, which is a different mm. benchmark altogether. Mm. But coming back to the businesses and the suppliers that we work with, you know, in that conversation I had with the school business manager about the projects, which turned into a plan for world domination at the mm-hmm. end of it, um, it was, you know, income generation, you know, will some local partners, businesses, suppliers, contractors be willing to contribute to helping you build that sustainable infrastructure or making donations or contributing to the education with the students, you know, however it is that it wants to work, you know, maybe that would be another avenue to explore. Yes, I agree. I think um, you know that on the on the that's more likely to be on the big projects. You know, you've got a builder who might be building you a, a new classroom, let's say, and and they might also then say, oh yes, yeah, to, to meet our corporate social responsibility, we create a biodiversity area in your school. But also yeah. just having those, you know, your caterer might do something about recycling bins. Um, I, I think it's really worth having those conversations. And, you know, even to your cleaning provider, you know, have you had the conversation, can we move to a more greener source of, of cleaning products? You know, they might they, they might say, yeah, do you know what, is it going to cost more money? And they can, if, as long as they can demonstrate it and they haven't just put on like a green tax, as it were, on, on the product, I think it's a conversation worth having um, and, and, and seeing whether that is something you you would like as in your school. I, I think the going back to the caterers, we really do need to encourage them to to not use single use plastic. Um, I was in a uh, a place the other day when instead of having a bottle of water, it was a can of water. That really threw me. I thought this is a bit odd. Um, <laughs> but actually, 
it was quite nice to not have a plastic bottle. But from that, actually, then made me go, do you know what, Helen, you really do need to take your um, your own water bottle with you wherever you go. And, you know, I've recently been on holiday in Cornwall and we were doing coastal path walking and we would stop and ask, you know, pubs and restaurants if we could refill our water. And they, they're not saying no. Um, yeah. So there's little changes we can do as well as the the big questions we can ask. Well, I'm excited about this. So I hope people listening are excited about it. I want to hear from people, and I know you do, Helen, about sustainability projects, any ideas that they've got, anything that they're doing already, or even if they just want to have a conversation and they're not sure where to start. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I would also, if people are thinking, right, how I can, how can I do this in my school? Part of it might be to, to have your discussion when you're having your appraisal um, about having a sustainability target within your appraisal mm. um, because that would really focus um, the mind. And I know that all my ops managers last year and uh, the next coming year, they're going to have a sustainability target within their appraisal because it, it is really important to bring about that change. And I want them to feel that it's it's an important focus. Going back to the ISBL professional standards, you know, we talked about leading support services, finance, procurement, infrastructure, marketing. I would be amazed if anybody didn't have an appraisal target that wasn't linked to any of those areas. So straight away, you can start bringing in sustainability, even though if it's not explicit within your target that it's sustainable, you could yeah. actually bring in an element of, oh, when I'm reviewing the procurement practices um, and policy, I'm going to make sure that we've we've got a sustainable element to it. I'm going to have conversations with my contractors and suppliers about what they're doing and, and how they can make it greener for, for everybody within our school. And that sounds like a really sensible place to start because as we said at the beginning you know there's a lot to this discussion there's lots of strands lots of exciting things to do and think about and you don't have to do it all at once you know it's yeah. one step at a time when I talked to that business manager about his project it was well actually this is a, a three to five year plan you know how can we stage it and bring people along and it not feel overwhelming yeah and and I I get that it will feel overwhelming and actually Sometimes when you, you read about what's happening in our world and what we're, we are doing to it and how slow we are responding to the climate change um, agenda, it can feel very despondent. You can feel very sort of flat about it all. So I, I just think start talking to, to people about it, start making changes and, um, and, and do your bit really. If anyone wants to get in touch with you, Helen, where can they find you? Because I want them to ask you questions, but also, like I say, come to you with ideas. Yes. So I think the easiest um, is to contact me via Twitter, which is at deputy COO at TPLT. It would be great to hear from you so we can build a network of green SBLs and, and share good practice and ideas. Thank you so much, Helen, for joining me again. I absolutely love chatting with you and let's get the conversation started. Sounds great. Sounds like the start of a song, that one, actually. Hey, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's brilliant. Thanks so much, Laura. Now, I know I say this all the time on this podcast. I am constantly in awe of the collaboration and discussions that take place within the SBL community. And Helen and I want to start another one. Are you doing exciting things with sustainability in your school? Do you know any eco-friendly suppliers that you could recommend? Are you interested in starting the conversation about sustainability in your school, but you need some advice on how to broach it? 
then get in touch with Helen or myself and tell us what's going on. Our details are in the show notes on my website at www.ljbusinesseducation.co.uk. If you're listening to this podcast on an Apple device and you like what you've heard, it would be great if you could rate and review the show as it makes it easier for others to find it. Thank you so much to everyone who has left a review already. I read and hugely appreciate every single one. You can rate and review the show by selecting the show in the Apple Podcast app, scrolling to the bottom and either tapping the stars to rate and or selecting write a review. This show is available in all of the podcast directories. Just make sure you hit the subscribe button in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you soon.